Jumping in. Delivered to your door by the wine cellar, Douglas. Hello. Good evening. And welcome. And here we are yet again, pell-mell towards Christmas, as they say, it'll be here before you know it. And we might have some Christmas goodies for you, you might want to give to one of your jazzy loved ones. It is, of course, Jumping In, the best in modern and contemporary jazz, with myself, H. And me, Chris. Yes, welcome along to this week's show, as autumn gives way to winter, and the great annual sustainable deforestation gets underwear to feed the nation's appetite for fur. Trees in this instant, not animal skins, as we stick electrified glass-laden cat toys up in all our houses. A habit we can thank Prince Albert for, but it's also the season of parties, which have already started despite it still being November, at least for a few more days. So, H, what has been the late autumn crop of choice this week, and what has gone to seed rather than CD? <laughs> still on CD, it has to be said, being in the old-fashioned fart that I am. Uh, yes, it's um, hello to Joey, well done to Mary, and goodbye to Mick. And from me, there's broken ground, we take the hill to the harbour, where inspired by Nataraja, and to kick off, here's a bit of rough and tumble from the Paul Englishly band.
Mm-hmm. Rough and Tumble from Emmy-winning composer, arranger and multi-instrumentalist Paul Englishby, taken from his latest release, Brighton Stories. Paul is equally at home, composing in his studio for the Royal Shakespeare Company, which is a regular gig for him, as he is on a film location. He taught Nicolas Cage how to play the mandolin in Captain Corelli. While staying in a hotel room in Venice, he says, larger than my apartment in Brighton, just so that Cage could get out and get the gondoliers to recite his lines to improve his dialogue. There's a luxury we don't all have. Happily, he's just at home with his band at Ronnie Scott's. Of the album, Paul says, what with Brexit, Trump, lockdown, Johnson, endless division, I wanted to try and focus somewhere where we could get joy and optimism. For me, that came from experiencing the gratitude and admiration for my adopted home in Brighton, which has an unmatched vibrancy and freedom of expression. People come down here to love who they want, to be who they want to, to make art, to party hard and engage with the sea and to make their own stories. Brighton Stories is out now. Hmm. I haven't been to Brighton in years. It has to be said. It makes you want to go down there, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, the Jazzwise Christmas edition is out. It looks a bit thinner than normal. It could just be me. It could be hard times, as we all know of late. Either way, it has well, the most... you're a bit fatter than normal. It could be that yeah. as well. Me too. <laughs> it still has the listing, though, which is the most important part. You always love to look at what the critics are saying are their jazz albums of the year. Fascinating. If not, I mean, sometimes you say, yes, absolutely. And other times you think, what? No, surely not. But some names crop up on a regular basis. We'll be doing our own, of course, uh, list of the jazz records of the year uh, towards the end of the year. But uh, looking through the list, yes, we've already been sort of thinking, oh, yes and oh, no to a few of them. Some names, Charles Lloyd back in there again, as is this woman, Mary Halverson. Never been far off lists in recent years. She brought out two albums, Amaryllis and Belladonna, sort of simultaneously this year, both featuring her own unique guitar work, one in just a quartet setting, the other with a string quartet. They've both garnered great reviews. She's up there in the top ten or so in any case. I thought we'd revisit a bit of Amaryllis. Her music attracts... All sorts of plaudits. NPR says the most future-seeking guitarist working right now. And Jazz Times suggests no one is making music like this.
terrific stuff. Music which demands to be listened to. It uh, does repay listening. Not necessarily the sort of music, again, to put on the in the car, maybe, or the sort of stuff to put on the background. You really need to listen to it, I think, in many ways to get the most out of some of Mary Halverson's music, no matter what it is. Uh, Amaryllis from the album Amaryllis, uh, of the twofer of Amaryllis and Belladonna, available I think you can get them as a twofer, but certainly they are available separately as well, so you don't have to buy both if you don't want to. One with just the group, one with the string quartet as well. We heard uh, Mary herself there on guitar, Nick Dunstan bass, Adam O'Farrell trumpet, uh, Jacob uh, Garchik on trombone, and Patricia Brennan on rather frenetic uh, vibraphone, the wonderful Thomas Fujiwara who brings out albums under his own name, in which uh, Mary's quite often a sideman with a Thomas. I think they sort of, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. From that point of view, often the way in a lot of jazz, isn't it? One leader is another person's sideman. Mary herself, born in Massachusetts, started out on classical violin, swapped over to electric guitar, it's claimed, when she heard Jimi Hendrix at the age of 11. Well, I dare say Jimmy had that effect on a few people. And also, she was going to pursue a career in biology, but swapped a biology degree for music after she uh, met and became quite friendly, well, certainly was influenced by the wonderful, uh, eccentric, whatever, call him what you will, but again, we've seen him once, uh, a man of uh, many talents, uh, but eccentric, certainly. Anthony Braxton, the sax-improvising legend. Since then, won all sorts of awards. Like I said, both those albums in Jazz Wise's Albums of the Year Critics Review, and she um, won a big foundation which uh, enables her to carry on with such a prodigious rate, the MacArthur Genius Grant Foundation, which I think means she can bring albums out, not quite at will, but at a prodigious rate of knots, and never, ever less than interesting. Indeed, and another guitarist coming up for me now, and speaking of Hendrix, perhaps we ought to do a little piece for him, because it uh, would have been his 80th, wouldn't it, today, I think, as it happens, or yesterday, this week anyway, but in a future programme maybe we'll revisit a couple of people who've dedicated things to him. Uh, but I have uh, featured this particular Brooklyn-based guitarist before, uh, Brooklyn-based guitarist and composer Nick Russo. Uh, I put his debut album on, I think, maybe two, three years ago. Now he's on his sixth release, and playing and composing has matured, as long as he's gained some new friends on the way, including a favourite of mine, trumpeter Alex Sipigan. From his latest release, This Entity Makes Music, here's Terra Deforma.
one likely to make my list, I think. Uh, that was Terra Deforma from Nick Russo. Now, the original name for Brooklyn was Brooklyn, which was a Dutch name given by the settlers landing there, which meant broken land. And that gave him the inspiration for the title Terra Deforma for that track. And he says it takes us on a musical adventure navigating through the tension, doubt, instability and gratifying peaks and valleys of Brooklyn life. Great album this, based around Nick's core quartet of Jake Amber on tenor, Sean Hannon on bass and Tim Volos on drums. Uh, the track is augmented with Carlin Lee on the piano and Alex Sipai again on trumpet and, of course, Nick Russo on guitar. This Entity Makes Music is out now on Adhiaropa Records and thanks to them for sending us a copy. Jumping in with the Wine Cellar, stockist of the largest range of wines, beers, spirits and cocktails on the island.
Hello, this is Bugge Wesseldorft and you're listening to Jumping In at manxradio.com. go three for the price of one as they say in the middle of which was our little tribute to Mick Goodrick who uh, sadly left us uh, just a few days ago at the age of 77 I think it was uh, complications due to Covid I think was uh, put down he also had been diagnosed with Parkinson sadly perhaps better known as an educator uh, than as performer although he has performed with well you name it uh, Jerry Begonzi uh, he's, uh, we played with Charlie Hayden with the Liberation Music Orchestra, Greg Hopkins, Steve Swallow, of course, he played well as well, John Abercrombie, Michael Brecker, Gary Burton, Jack Dinette, Peter Erskine. Yeah, the list goes on and on and on. A professor of guitar at Berkeley as well, author of The Advancing Guitarist. And uh, I love a little line here about how he started off. He says, I got started out in guitar because of Elvis Presley. As perhaps maybe nine or ten, I put a belt on a tennis racket and mime records in front of the mirror. I told my parents I wanted a guitar because the tennis racket didn't look so cool. They got me a ukulele, which looked even worse in the mirror than the tennis racket. So then they started offering me music lessons at school. My mother said if I wanted to learn music, and I said I wanted to learn guitar. So that's how I started out at the age of 11. Great great loss and a wonderful there. From the one album I think he had on ECM, I think he's got one or two others we're looking at under his own name. But uh, in passing from about 1978, I think that was, John Sermon on sax, Eddie Gomez bass, Jack the Jeanette drums. Lovely stuff. A number of duets he had with uh, Wolfgang Munchpiel and also with a much freer saxophonist, uh, Dave Liebman as well. Very, very good. Um, now, after that, we followed up with the jazz scene from our neighbour, Scotland, which has been going from strength to strength in recent years. No small part, I would say, to uh, Tommy Smith and his work in education. And uh, one of its rising stars has been Fergus McCready, and that was him with his friend on his friend's album, saxophonist Matt Carmichael, from his recent release, Marum. And that was The Road to the Sea, uh, Marum featured the original quartet of Fergus on piano, Ali Watson on bass, Tom Potter on the drums, and added Charlie Stewart on the violin, and of course Matt on the sax. And it's out now on Edition Records. Very fine too. Joey Alexander, well he's um, not so much a young prodigy anymore, um, he's still young, uh, and he's still remarkably good. I suppose once he gets up to the late teens, perhaps 
are you still a prodigy? I don't know quite how that works, but it becomes harder as you get older because once you've lost the novelty of being really, really young and brilliant, then you just have to be brilliant and make your own mark. But I think he's managing to do it. His latest album, I think, is called... I think it's his latest, unless I've missed one out, uh, called Origins, only one I've been hearing fairly recently. Finds him again with Larry Kennedy, uh, Grenadier, Kendrick Scott, Good Heckelsman this time uh, um, as well. Uh, Hexamler, I should say, on a guitar and Chris Potter on sax on uh, some tracks as well. Let's hear the first track from the album, Remembering.
latest from Christian McBride. I say that, he's probably had another one out since the last time I played this one. I've been sitting around for a while now. We're in Ray's Big Top. Inside Straight Live at the Village Vanguard. Cracking sound. Steve Wilson on alto. Warren Wolf vibes. Pete Martin bass. Carl Allen at the drums. Christian, of course, leading from the bass. Before that, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. The new sound from uh, Joey Alexander. It's definitely edgier. It's a bit more Spartan. He's definitely going places. He's moving. He's changing the sound. I'm liking that a lot. A track called Remembering. As you say, much harder market when you're no longer a novelty. And speaking of novelties, that's about it for this week's show. But we've just got time to fit in a track from another one of my favourite releases of the year, I think. And to finish, as we began, with a film and TV composer, arranger and multi-instrumentalist, Steve Baker, and as a debut album, Tonic on Ubuntu has got it all. A great brand, including Laura Yerd on trumpet, Mark Lockhart on saxes and flute, John Paracelli on guitar, and Steve Baker on keyboards, guitars, voices and percussion. The album also features, for good measure, a full orchestra. Described by one reviewer as having jazz at its heart alongside influences from rock and the classical world in its scope, musical sweep and ambition it's reminiscent of Neil Lardley's 1976 classic work Kaleidoscope of Rainbows, which means it's very good indeed. Inspired by Bridget Riley's Natajara 1993 work you can find at the Tate Gallery here's Riley. See you next week. It is all the blue notes next week. Take care. for now.
Latina.